Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the magic Brent and the monkeyish Forrest. <laughs> Sorry, I, de- I devolved into a monkey. And I didn't say anything because I disappeared. I, m- I made myself disappear. That's why I was silent <laughs> Truly a magic thing. And I assume you were the one who turned forest into a monkey in the first place. Duh. Yeah, it happened. Yep. That is quite amazing. And you know what else is magic besides Brent? The fact that we have three new patrons yeah. and we want to shout them out now at the top of the episode those three patrons are ll shay and kelsey ronan thank you so much Ooh. for your yeah, patronage you so we appreciate it greatly very much appreciate and that is truly the magic which keeps this podcast running and for as little as one dollar a month you can support us on patreon and help us achieve our first goal, which is having more patrons than dead con artist Sherry Schreiner. <laughs> we currently now have six patrons in total, oh, putting us over halfway to that goal. We need four more, three more to tire okay. and four to get 10 to beat her. If you think we deserve that for only one dollar a month, visit patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary and you will help us on our quest. And if you are more interested in a more technological sort of donation, you can also give us a crypto donation. If you visit nondarecallitordinary.com slash donate, you will find our public Bitcoin address and you can become a crypto patron by donating Bitcoin to us today. Well, the only problem, though, is that we can't have Brent operate the Bitcoin wallet because he doesn't know how. I don't know That's what's true. even That's happening true. right now. We, so. keep him, we keep him well away. We keep him away. From that. And so <laughs> you weird. don't have to worry about that. That's fine. Yeah. I don't, that's... No Lambo. No Lambo for Brent. <laughs> Damn it. No Lambo for Brent. And lastly, if you could please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are served. So what are we talking about today, Dylan? Well, today we are closing out our series on psychedelic cults by talking about the pinnacle (laughs) of psychedelic cult starter, starter fuel for the psychedelic cult DMT. It's the one of the active ingredients in ayahuasca, and it's also purified and used of its own accord. And there is a whole lot of fun to be had. And I think Brent has an intro for us on that. That's right. So DMT is a chemical substance which occurs naturally in many animals and plants, which is both a derivative and structural analog of tryptamine. According to the Psychonaut wiki page, quote, DMT is present in over 65 species of plants and has been identified as being a normal constituent of human metabolism and an endogenous neurotransmitter in certain rodents. So, you know, okay, we've given LSD to dolphins. Let's start giving DMT to rats, I say. Yeah. Let's get that going. I like that. I think we should give LSD to rats and then take out the DMT from the rat. Oh, that's brilliant. After you give it LSD. So it's like super DMT. Makes perfect sense. So it is often ingested as a psychedelic drug, which has been used through various cultures throughout history. Um, I'm sorry to do this, Brent. I think you mean entheogenic drug. Oh, that's We're being right. serious here. You're right. You're this right. This isn't just for fun. That's right. We learned that last episode. Come on. Come on, Brent. 
So Rick Strassman labels it the, quote, spirit molecule. Okay, wait, sorry. I just have to add an LOL there. (laughs) (laughs) You don't take that seriously? No, I don't. According to Psychonaut Wiki, quote, Dr. Rick Strassman has hypothesized that the pineal gland is responsible for the production and release of DMT, which he believes possibly could be excreted in large quantities at the moments of birth and death. However, this has been questioned with the argument that the pineal gland secretes insufficient amounts to produce psychoactive effects. And I I think this is clear because if it really produced that much DMT, our pineal gland, it would just burst through our foreheads like in that movie From Beyond. Humans are such easy prey. Yeah, go to our Instagram. You'll see exactly what happens. So German chemist Richard Helmuth Frederick Mansk. Damn, that's four names. That's trippy. That's four full names. (laughs) I, Those I, Germans love that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first synthesized DMT in 1931. However, its discovery as a natural product is often credited to Brazilian microbiologist and chemist Oswald Gonçalves de Lima. Ah, man. See, he only has three names. It's not quite as trippy. So that is unfortunate for him. Yeah, obviously the most trippy name of all time clearly belongs to former Uganda dictator Idi Amin, which is His Excellency... President for Life, Field Marshal, Al Haji, Dr. Idi Amin, Dada, VC, DSO, MC, Lord of all the beasts of the earth and fishes of the seas, and conqueror of the British Empire in Africa in general and Uganda in particular. Wow. Wow. That is humble. Humble. He must be the king of the rainbow family with a, <laughs> na- with a trippy name like that. I also love that last, the uh, conqueror of the British Empire in Africa in general and Uganda in particular. I'm going to start using that that phrase, that kind of phrase structure. I'm just going to start saying um, I live in North America in general and Detroit in particular. I like that. (laughs) I like that way of talking. So in 1946, Oswaldo isolated an alkaloid he called nigerine from the root bark of a mimosa teneflora. In 1955, a team of American chemists led by Evan Horning isolated and formally identified DMT in the seeds and pods of Anadananthera peregrina. So, according to the wiki article in DMT, quote, In terms of a scientific understanding, the hallucinogenic properties of DMT were not uncovered until 1956 by Hungarian chemists and psychiatrist Stephen Cesara. So that's not to be confused with the father of mental illness, denialism, which we've covered before, named Thomas Saws. So that's not the same guy, just so you guys know. In his paper published the same year titled Dimethyltryptamine, its metabolism in man, he, ref- he references the plant Mimosa hostilis, in which he injected the ex- extract into his own muscle. So I don't know, for some weird reason, when I... I just pictured, I don't know if you remember those old Popeye cartoons where he ate spinach and he'd like zoomed in inside his muscle and it's like, like shows like you know, <laughs> locomotion or locomotives and fireworks going off. It's like that's probably what happened. Basically. Yeah, that's exactly. What happened, <laughs> so like, so like many hallucinogens, DMT is illegal in most countries. Quoting from the Psychonaut Wiki again, quote, unlike most highly prohibited substances, DMT is not considered to be addictive or toxic by the scientific community. Nevertheless, unpredictable adverse reactions such as uncontrollable anxiety, delusions, and psychosis can always occur, particularly among those predisposed to mental disorders. While these negative reactions or, quote, bad trips can often be attributed to user inexperience or improper preparation of set and setting, 
they have been known to happen spontaneously among even highly experienced users as well. Yeah, there's nothing toxic about something that can create uncontrollable anxiety, delusions, and psychosis at basically random. That's right. Not That's a big not deal. toxic at all. No, it's natural. All natural. So the effects of DMT include a rapid onset of intense experiences in a relatively short span of time compared to other psychedelic drugs. Due to the drug's short duration time, it is known in the U.S. during the 1960s as the, quote, businessman's trip. <laughs> so, man, that would be a hell of a day at the office, though. I don't know. Yeah, just replace the three martini lunch with the free DMT lunch and the Vietnam War never would have happened. They would have been too yep. groovy down <laughs> on Madison Avenue. Absolutely true. Yeah, that's a totally Absolutely. different Mad Men episode. So DMT is either ingested, inhaled or injected. If you're a total maniac, its effects <laughs> depend on the dosage. <laughs> when DMT is injected or inhaled, the effects often last a relatively short period of time, usually between five to 15 minutes. If one were to ingest DMT orally or alongside with ayahuasca brew used by the native Amazonian tribes, the drug can manifest some extremely intense hallucinations. And if you want to fully immerse yourself in the dark, the truly dark side of doing ayahuasca, listen to the James Kent uh, Dose Nation podcast. He has a really uh, long episode on this. and It's pretty horrifying. But dude, what are you talking about? Again, it's all natural. I don't get it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, I know. Yes. Yeah. Sadly, there point. is nothing more natural than talking shit about beverages that are all natural. It's just <laughs> something we are want to do. That's right. So some of these hallucinations are described as mystical experiences, out-of-body experiences, ego death, euphoria, and overwhelming geometry. That's right. <laughs> overwhelming geometry. Wow. So You know, I think we gotta I gotta say that. we can speaking of we talked about from beyond earlier. So I think we can safely say HP Lovecraft took DMT. So this is from At the Mountains of Madness, quote, There were geometrical forms for which a Euclid could scarcely find a name, cones of all degrees of irregularity and truncation, terraces of every sort of provocative disproportion, shafts with odd bulbous enlargements, broken columns and curious groups, and five-pointed or five-ridged arrangements of mad grotesqueness. So I gotta say, that's some pretty fucking overwhelmingly geometrical stuff to me i gotta say yeah yeah i is. think i think we need to start an official petition to rename non-euclidean geometry to overwhelming geometry that's a yeah. much better name for it <laughs> i like it seriously according to the psychonaut wiki quote the visual geometry encountered can be described as more similar in appearances to that of psilocybin than lsd it can be comprehensively described through its variations as intricate in complexity, abstract in form, equally organic and digital in feel, structured in organization, brightly lit, multicolored in scheme, glossy in shading, equal in sharp and soft edges, large in size, fast in speed, smooth in motion, equal in rounded and angular corners, immersive in depth and cons consistent in its intensity. At higher doses, it is significantly more likely to result in states of level 8B visual geometry over level 8A. The geometry present with smokable DMT is considered by many to be the most profoundly intricate and complex set of visual geometry found within the entirety of the psychedelic experience. In comparison to orally active DMT, ayahuasca, it is significantly more digital in appearance and contains a color scheme which is similar to LSD and a structured style that resembles a high dose of psilocybin. So I actually 
reading all this, I just imagine a high school kid who's struggling in their math class, getting out of school finally, letting trying to let Luke loose over the weekend, gets a hold of some DNT, smokes it, and fuck extreme geometry. Like he cannot seem to get past his math classes, you know? Come on. What the fuck? By the way, thinking back to the Lyndon LaRouge series, do you remember that in order to understand a just law system, you have to understand geometry? Yes. Yeah, I yeah that. that's right. So, I think that if you take DMT and you're a lawyer, you're going to be extremely good at arguing your cases. So DMT feels like dying. So sign me up. That's the title of this (laughs) section here. (laughs) So according to a paper in the Frontiers of Psychology journal titled DMT Models the Near-Death Experience, quote, Near-death experiences, or NDEs, are complex experiential episodes that occur in association with death or the perception that it is impending. Prospective studies with cardiac arrest patients indicate that the incidence of NDEs vary between 2 to 18%, depending on what criteria are used to determine them. Although there is no universally accepted definition of the NDE, common features include feelings of inner peace, out-of-body experiences, traveling through a dark region or, quote, void, commonly associated with a tunnel, visions of bright light, entering into an unearthly other realm, and communicating with sentient beings. Reviewing the phenomenology of NDEs, we have been struck by similarities with the experience evoked by the classic serotonergic psychedelic DMT. So I read a book while, you know, a while back on the NDEs that I remember liking a lot, and it was called The Spiritual Doorway in the Brain, a neurologist search for the God experience by neurobiologist Kevin Nelson. So I would yep. recommend that. That was good. I read that book too. And I actually really liked it. Yeah, it was but, pretty cool. But, but spoiler alert, the God experience is all in your head. Sorry. Well, yeah, it's an experience. Of course it's all in your head. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Even the object of your experience is in your head. Well, I'm a sense data theorist. So I think the object is always in your head too, but we, that's for another day. <sighs> So the Frontiers and Psychology article continues, quote, It has recently been shown that the temporal sequence of events unfolding during an NDE is highly variable between people and no prototypical sequence was identifiable in a sample of 154 patients. Although four main uh, dimensions were relatively consistent, namely out-of-body experiences, seeing a bright light, encountering spirits slash people, and feeling of peace. Hmm. So the paper's conclusion states this, quote, results revealed are intriguingly strong overlap between specific and broad features of these states, with DMT participants scoring high on a standard measure of NDEs and in a comparable way to people reporting a bona fide NDEs, with only subtle differences that might relate more to obvious contextual differences than anything to do with the specific inducers themselves. All right, that all sounds very smart. But let's we can break it all down for you. And all you need to take away is this. If you want to know what a near death experience feels like, you don't actually need to get near death. Just smoke a bunch of DMT and it's the same thing or birth experience, death or birth, apparently. So, oh, that's true. Near near birth experience. That's way worse. Another study regarding the effects of DMT took place at Imperial College Clinical Research Facility in London. In a BBC article titled, A DMT Trip Feels Like Dying, and Scientists Now Agree, it states, quote, (laughs) good title, it has been speculated in the past that a lot of psychedelic experiences, not only DMT, but also LSD and so on, contain themes of death, 
says Chris, who led the study. If I were to speculate, one possibility may be that the system is reach, reaching such a high level of disorder that the psychological reaction might be, oh my God, I'm dying, Chris explains. <laughs> There's nothing I am more interested in than getting my brain to say, oh my God, I'm dying to itself. That's really, <laughs> that's the scenario I want to be in. Well, you have to free the brain. So let's, you know, that's what we know for sure. Got to trepan it, get it, get it loose. Well, yeah, but th they didn't tell me. I bet they didn't do that in that study. That's why it's flawed. I know, that's the problem. So Iona, which is the woman who participated in the study by taking DMT, describes some of this quote, disorder as feeling detached from her body and says she quickly found she was experiencing a strange, unfamiliar detachment from her sense of self, too. Quote, my body just didn't seem relevant anymore, says Iona. And I felt like I arrived in some consciousness soup, which seemed like a different realm to the one I ordinarily inhabit, even in dreams. It just seemed like everything was rotating and swirling and spiraling. It didn't seem like there were normal space-time proportions going on. I, I really like, I think consciousness soup is something they would serve at the Qualia Cafe. <laughs> I really like that. Yes, I agree. Or it sounds like a adult swim show or something, I don't know. Some of the patients in the study said they felt relieved after the experiment concluded. They were said to be, quote, in a good mood while having a whole new outlook on life. But, I, you know, I'm I'm sure that that has nothing to do with the fact that they basically just experienced what it's like, I don't know, to die after that. I would also be in a good mood. So, yeah, I mean, I'm it sure seems like it models the near death experience yeah. by making you think that you're dying. But at least you don't actually die. That's the important part. Right. So let's get some more testimonials from some of these DMT psychonauts, okay? This is from the article titled, quote, I did DMT at a castle in Paris and went straight to hell. <laughs> so here's what you need to... Oh, but that's not the end of the title. Shit, there's more. It's Here's the whole title. I did DMT at a castle in Paris and went straight to hell. Here's what you should know before doing psychedelics. My By Megan Bruneau. I think the headline already tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> yeah. I feel all right. I think you're right. You've convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away. Say no more. So Bruno explains in the article that she is known among her friends as the one who doesn't do drugs. She begins in the article, quote, as a therapist, I strongly recommend in-depth research and consulting a professional before experimenting with psychedelics. Do not do what I did, which was listen to a Joe Rogan podcast and commit to doing DMT the next time the opportunity arose. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> Despite being not one to normally do psychedelics, she describes that she is very adventurous and up to try new things. Or as she says, quote, when I was invited to a Burning Man meets Summit cryptocurrency unconference at a castle in France, I thought, oh, hell no. <laughs> and because of that reaction, I decided I should probably go. So Burning Man meets Summit cryptocurrency unconference in France. <laughs> I know. What the fuck? Oh, man, her article is out of control. And we're all going to do a DMT. Man. No wonder she went to hell. Hello. <laughs> oh. Could you imagine? It's a, it's got to be a hardcore hippie meets hardcore libertarian carnivore unorganized organization at a castle in France. I mean, of course you're going to trip. Dear God. The only thing worse than a hippie is a libertarian hippie. That's really, <laughs> that's where I draw the line. They won't, I won't even let them into my house. So on the plane ride over with her new friend and fellow conference attendee she met over Facebook, she began to talk about her desire to do DMT. 
her new friend mentions that he has some some with him and that Bruno didn't need to feel any anxiety about taking DMT. He said, quote, don't worry. I figured out the exact dosage you need to simply feel a general sense of euphoria and at most notice the trees are glowing a bit. So, okay, everyone keep this in mind as the story moves forward. So they arrived together at this castle in France. This man she just met, uh, who she calls the, quote, DMT chauffeur, begins coaching Megan through the administration process. Uh, saying, just, I wanted to you know, interrupt real quick, you know, chauffeur administration process. This sounds like an HR meeting for a private driver service more than it does <laughs> your first time doing DMT. This is kind of lame. Yeah, it's very lame. Yeah, I agree. So he, he starts to coach her through saying, quote, OK, here's what you do. He explains in a this is serious voice as she writes, as he hands me a vaporizer with a silicon tube attached. Quote, hold down the button for about half a second. Start inhaling. Keep the button held down and inhale for two seconds. After two seconds, let go of the button, but keep inhaling for half a second so you get some oxygen there as well. Hold it in for two seconds. Exhale and you'll have the perfect high. Drugs should not be this hard. She stares at him blankly and asks him to repeat these instructions again. She didn't want to fuck this up, obviously. So he repeats the instructions, but she says it does not fully compute while she decides to go with the uh, fuck it route. This <laughs> this can't be much different than smoking weed. It takes a deep breath off the pen. So she explains what happens next. Quote, within seconds, the already glowing green garden transforms into the setting of a Pixar horror movie. <laughs> Each leaf withers before my eyes, suddenly an ashen gray brown. The sky, which had formerly been twilight blue, bleeds fiery, as though I've been clicked through the scarlet bucket option on Microsoft Paint. Ashamed, I regretfully acknowledge I've taken residence in the underworld, despite thousands of hours of yoga, meditation, therapy, and other forms of self-inquiry. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, here's a, actually, I do have an honest question. Maybe you guys know, what is an example of a Pixar horror film? Ah, oh, well, come on, Brent. Uh, there's a few of them. There's Toy Story, which is all about a kid's toys that come to life whenever he's not looking, which is scary on its <laughs> own. True. And then there's also a bug's death, cars crash, down, insides torn out, the bad dinosaur, killing Nemo, and Monsters, Inc., a story about wage slavery. <laughs> oh, I think you forgot also Wall-E when AI kill us all, which <laughs> oh, is yeah, forgot that one. the that other one, one in saying. that mix. Yeah, that is. I think Elon Musk was in charge of uh, that one there. So Bruno writes, quote, I'm quickly distracted from my shame by the fact that I'm dying. Anyone who's had a panic attack knows what I'm talking about. Unable to breathe, aware of my rapid heartbeat. With surprising calm, I announced to DMT chauffeur and doomed situation ship, which is what she's calling the guy that she's dating at the time, that I'm about to die. <laughs> Quote, guys, this is exactly what I didn't want to happen. I whine, my voice thick with disappointment. I'm dying. So that is <laughs> mad. Not good. So the DMT chauffeur responds with, you're not dying. So doomed situation ship says, do you want more contact or less contact? He asked me this while gently touching my hand. I turn my attention toward him for comfort only to be met by Lucifer. Ooh. He's the same shade as the sky and is sporting a set of nubby black horns. He smiles, which I can only assume is a gesture of consoling, but his devil-like manifest manifestation makes this consoling gesture fucking terrifying. <laughs> Doom situation ship's head then rolls off his body like a bowling ball coming out his... <laughs> Out its machine feeder. God. 
no big deal. She says, quote, this is not good, I think. And then I stare at him speechlessly before deciding it's best to look straight ahead and pretend he isn't there. No longer distracted by Satan, I'm once again reminded I'm dying. Shit. Still unable to breathe, I look down at my legs, which disintegrate. Then writhing in distress, I aspirate, collapse, and die. Of course, the DMT chauffeur and doomed situation ship later tell me that I was still the entire time. So I guess that never happened, but whatever. (laughs) Damn. Oh, so that's fun. So in case you're not convinced, Brent has more testimonials for you. <laughs> yeah, just we could just hammer this home if I could here. Here's another fun testimonial by a woman who goes by Snafflehag in Arrowhead Experience Vaults, which is an online site. Quote, this trip was like being thrown into an inferno in the deepest pits of hell and having pure evil boiled out of me. <laughs> I'm not talking simmering. I'm talking about being brought to a rapid roiling boil. It was intense. I remember thinking, holy shit. I had no idea it could be like this. But all that could escape my lips was barely audible. Wow. There was a loud humming sound like the sound of a didgeridoo that enveloped me. It was absolutely maddening. At first, I thought it was my boyfriend who was trip sitting for me. But then I realized that he wasn't making any sound at all. Then I thought it was the music, but it didn't stop when the song ended. I couldn't move. I couldn't talk. All I could do was moan and whine in the hell that I had created for myself. My rational mind had not left me entirely. I kept telling myself over and over in my head, quote, it's okay. This too shall pass. This can't last forever. And by the way, you asked for this. This is what you wanted, and now you're getting it. So suck it up and take it like a warrior should. God, that is horrendous. I can't believe she heard a didgeridoo. Oh, I know. It's <laughs> terrifying. At least it wasn't a kazoo. That would have been even worse. Oh, man. But, yeah. So, one last psychonaut trip to grace you with here. Okay. You don't so need to convince me anymore, goes- Brent. I'm going to take DMT, okay. no, man. One I'm more. Do it. You don't, I don't need any more convincing. I'm convinced I'm going to try <laughs> This is how he closes. This is how he closes the sale. Okay. So, this is another psychonaut by the name Salen on the psychonaut Wikipedia page. And he explains his DMT trip here. Quote, I have kept a smile on my face and happy thoughts in my head, but instead of enhanced colors and wavy lines, all the color drained out of the room and everything went black and gray and white. Everything in my, in my room started to become indescribable in shape and jagged and constant and geometry. So there's that fucking geometry again. Mm-hmm. Just can't get away from it. It's overwhelming. As the world started to get stranger, I remember my tower-shaped fan stretched up to and absorbing into the ceiling. It still remained attached to the ground, and it took on an odd texture. It started moving about the room as if attached to a rail attached to the ceiling. I was finally consumed by the gray geometry, and everything went black. Sure, I mean, gray geometry is horrifying, but at least they didn't experience jet black trigonometry because we have not even (laughs) that's like I mean, that's beyond DMT. That's like adrenochrome or something. So I awoke in my own mind. 
I was staring at an incredibly angry face that seemed exactly like a Chinese demon or a Chinese dragon face. Exaggerated eyebrows, long, outwardly curved fangs, and cartoonish eyes and facial hair. Oh, so the Eddie Murphy dragon from Mulan. Yeah, Mushu, who's not <laughs> going to be in the live action what? version. That's the only reason I was going to see the live action version was for Mushu. I know these are these are the topics I wish CNN would talk about, frankly. <laughs> so I could only see this face and background of a texture that seemed shaped and to flow like fire, but moved in a more predictable and solid way. He is shaking me around. I feel no connection to my body or limbs, but I can feel him shaking my soul back and forth very violently. He suddenly throws me to another face, similar in style and design, but different. (laughs) I can feel my soul being shaken. He throws me again to yet another face. I can feel myself bouncing around as if I am the ball in a pinball machine. I felt shaped like a ball too, or just a face anyway. (laughs) Okay. I'm reading this verbatim. Every throw (laughs) increases its speed and intensity. I think he's writing this actually on DMT. Every throw increases (laughs) in its speed. (laughs) It's so hard to read. Uh, Every throw increases in speed and intensity. I spend less and less time with each face as I speed up, but it seemed to last for years, even still. It was such a shocking experience, I blacked out eventually. I woke up in my room alone. The color was back, but everyone was gone. I felt incredibly disappointed and morose. As I got up to get off my bed to turn off the lights to go to sleep, my door opened and a man whose face I cannot remember if I recognized pointed a gun at me and shot me in the head. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I felt the bullet puncture through the right side of the top of my head and pushed through my brain, stopping in the middle of somewhere, and I blacked out pretty immediately. At least it didn't hurt. (laughs) I woke up in my room again alone. I was pretty freaked out by what had just happened. Understatement of the year, Jesus. And I was just happy it was over and focused less on the idea that people weren't around. Before I got a chance to get up off my bed, my door opened and the man pulled a gun and shot me again. (laughs) This time on the left side of my head. I felt it go in similarly, uh, but at a different angle. Still with no pain and just sensation, I again fell out of consciousness. I woke up in my room. I attempted to explain to my friends what I had, had gone through, but it was difficult because DMT will often make it difficult to express my thoughts outwardly while I am still under its spell. And obviously, it's hard to write stuff down when you're on DMT. Yeah. Why did they show this in the D.A.R.E. classes? You know, this would have been something that would have really made me never do drugs. Yeah, this is fucking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> God like, wow. damn. Just get, get constantly shot in the head over and over. Now I want to see a Groundhog's Day where it's literally just you're alive for 10 seconds. You wake up, you get up, and you get shot in the head <laughs> over and over and over again. All right, so DMT, obviously, a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. But there are ways to make it not so fun, and that is to integrate it into your cult. Woo! <laughs> and so we got a few DMT slash ayahuasca cults, and we're going to start with the Brazilian cult, Santo Daime. This Brazilian cult doesn't even call their ayahuasca tea ayahuasca, preferring to call it just Santo Daime instead, which is just excellent branding. Because you can't trademark ayahuasca, so you just call it by the name of your cult. It's its own different thing. Nice. Santo Daime tea is different from traditional ayahuasca because it contains jagubi vine and psychotria viridis, also called queen of the forest. It was called that by the founder of Santo Daime because of a lady he saw in a vision 
which caused him to found the cult in the first place. Is this place. the same Lady of the Lake vision that started the King Arthur cult, maybe? Maybe, but this is in a forest. I don't know if there is a lake involved. Mm, yeah. I know that after hearing all of the testimonials that Brent just brought up and hearing about this cult, you're dying to try the stuff. Let's get to it. But no, you got to hold your horses. There's a whole procedure we got to go through. First, you need to prepare during a week-long festival called a Fetio. Oh, I'd go. I'm sorry, guys, to let you know, but I'll be at the rainbow gathering that week, so I won't be able to make it. I'll be busy drilling holes in my head. Man, you guys, I'm trying to enroll us in this cult. There was a long waiting list, and now you're embarrassing me. I figure that you guys are going to go on your little trip to the Amazon jungle or wherever and do your little ayahuasca brew ceremony. But me, I'm going to drill holes in my head and be high forever. That's true. Well, I already bought the ticket, so I might as well go. So what happens at these week-long festivals? Well, everyone sings hymns, the men turn the vine into powder, and women clean and sort oh, the man, leaves. this is bullshit. I mean, women can totally turn vine into powder also. They don't have to just clean leaves while these asshole men smoke their ayahuasca pipe <laughs> and read the Wall Street Journal in the corner of the room. I know, man. I know. It's terrible. I don't know. Sad. And this cult originates in Brazil, but fear not for our U.S. listeners there are Santo Daime outposts in Brooklyn and San Diego. So you don't have to travel too far if you want to get involved. Nice. So another ayahuasca friendly Brazilian cult is Unayo do Vegetal or UDV, which is the union of the plants in Portuguese. Well, I guess that it's time to start union busting, guys. Oh, man. Come on. Ronald Reagan would really love this. The war on drugs and union busting all in one fell swoop. I mean, just imagine, he he would be so happy. So UDV made it big stateside after the Supreme Court allowed them to use ayahuasca in their religious ceremonies in 2006. And Santa Fe, New Mexico has the largest branch in the U.S. with 300 members. Every two weeks, members drink ayahuasca and enter a trance-like state for four hours. These ceremonies start by hugging each other and wearing forest green uniforms emblazoned with their logo. Even the folding chairs they sit on are forest green. So, again, they're coordinated, which is nice. Nice. The chairs are arranged in concentric rings facing a portrait of Jose Gabriel da Costa, the founder of UDV. After ringing a bell at the altar, the congregants line up where a chief fills their glasses with ayahuasca. Nah, holy baby Mary. It's like Catholic communion, but with a powerful hallucinogen instead of wine. I like it. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Good. They raise their glasses and say, quote, May God guide us on the path of light forever and ever. Amen. Jesus. Amen. Then they drink up and get groovy. I.e. sitting still for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> All matching green uniforms and green chairs. So these two were kind of, they're the appetizers for these cults because the real deal guy is a gentleman named Chris Cantelmo who is trying to found a straight up DMT cult and is one of the greatest people we have ever talked about <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, Sherry Schreiner's turning over in a grave right now. She's like, hey, yeah, Sherry Schreiner to me doesn't have a candle on Chris. Chris <laughs> Cantelmo knows what he's doing. So as you can imagine, Chris Cantelmo calls his, let's say, theory Cantelmoism <laughs> and his ideas. He has a website of that name, Cantelmoism.com. Very humble. Very humble, and the very top of his website reads, quote, 
I have recently discovered that DMT is the natural neurotransmitter that explains everything about humanity and also happened to be extremely good cure for my cancer. Oh, man. Where was he when we were doing our cancer quackery series? Could have just added him right in there. And I don't know. I wish we would have found him, but I'm kind of glad we now have the experience I feel necessary to truly deal with this gentleman. Cantomo explains that before we go through puberty, DMT is produced by the pineal gland. But once we go through puberty and the sex hormones start ramping up, DMD production is eliminated. Yeah, duh. You got to drill into your skull to fix that shit, man. Yeah, that's why you, you do it. But release the he, infant inside your brain. He's not there yet. Okay. So when the when puberty hits, this signals the time we need to be in, quote, stressful, boring situations suitable for finding a mate and raising children. Now, you might think that once we get older and sex hormone production decreases, that we might get some of that sweet DMT back. Well, that's how it used to be. Older folks would then, quote, reconnect to the spirit world and become a calming and guiding presence to the world. That was a time when wisdom really did reside in our elders. So why doesn't this happen anymore? Cantomo offers two explanations. One is an obsession with longevity, and with that, an obsession with looking and feeling younger. This perturbs the DMT process, I guess. It's not, you know, totally explained. <laughs> but the more sinister cause is fluoridation. Oh, shit. I, oh, I'm glad man. this came up. Someone is finally talking about it. Finally. Quote, it has been hypothesized, and I think correctly, that fluoridation of our water supply leads to a calcification of the pineal. Classification of the pineal combined with our fear of staring at the sun, which activates DMT production, has led to profound stupidity, frankly, in older adults in the modern industrialized world. I thought fluoridization just turned the frogs gay. I didn't know it did all this. No, I think those are just nondescript chemicals. Oh, uh, yeah. If I remember. Yeah, right. he didn't. And let's let's not put words into Alex Jones' mouth, Brent, and besmirch his excellent reputation. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, this I is apologize. a serious podcast. We do serious research. So what does this all mean? What it means is that we have moved from an age of wisdom to an age of treason against God and ingenuity, which is just treason against DMT itself. Is there an emoluments clause in the DMT Constitution? The you know, I don't know uh, if you can. I don't know if. Yeah, you might be able to commit high crimes and misdemeanors <laughs> against DMT. I don't know if that's covered. Oh, OK. Speaking of God. DMT is the God molecule. But before you dive into that heavy subject, Cantelmo has some notes for you first. <laughs> DMT is not for children. As mentioned earlier, children are already chock full of DMT and thus already <laughs> under the influence of God. At first, I was thinking this might go a different way. But no, it's not that you shouldn't give kids drugs. It's that they have enough drugs as it is. Yeah. And yes, exactly. All right. Second. Some adults are thankfully already in touch with God, and so they don't need DMT either. Okay. But they do often make one mistake. They reject DMT because you don't need drugs to be in touch with God, but DMT isn't a drug. <laughs> After all, it is, quote, made naturally by humans inside humans. Uh, don't know so this article about DMT as the God molecule is for all those silly atheists out there. <laughs> And lastly, the last note is that the God Cantomo is talking about is not limited to any one religion or spirituality. This is a free agent deity. Oh, man, I just heard he signed with an L.A. Uh, Clippers deal, though. So that's um, a bit of a sports joke again for no reason. Sorry about that. But you're welcome, Dylan's dad. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, enough prep work. Let's get into the good stuff. DMT, simply put, puts you in closer contact with God. But, say those dastardly skeptics, what about people who have had bad trips on psychedelics and especially DMT, as Brent has extensively documented earlier in this episode? <laughs> Cancelmo is not totally sure how this happens, but he assumes it is the fault of the ego. Well, it can't be the drug's fault. We know that for sure. It's not that. Yeah, because DMT isn't a drug. It's made exactly. inside people. It can't be a drug. Yep. <laughs> Cancelmo explains, quote, problems may arise when people under the influence attempt to use their egos to overcome the experience. Using one's ego to overcome God will not work. This is as true as the day is long. And he goes on to say that DMT is going to have a different effect on you, depending on whether or not you already have a connection to God. The godly user will experience a, quote, lovely interaction. And once the trip ends, they will, quote, return to normal with a feeling of renewal akin to rebirth. The atheist user, on the other hand, will be confounded at first. They will have never experienced the world as God intended, i.e. the way the world looks when blitzed on DMT. <laughs> but while they perceive correctly, they will try to use their, quote, analytical methods learned in school, which can't do the job of describing their experience. Either they will conclude that their analytical methods are correct and thus DMT sucks, or realize their analytical methods suck and take DMT all damn day. That's the only two options. Yeah, that's it. Yep. All day. Okay. So, you know, that's, you know, God, you know, getting in touch with God. That's all nice and good. What about the curing cancer? That's what we're here for. DMT cures cancer. So how did Cantomo learn this? Well, he first learned about DMT's oncological benefits in a surprising way. Quote, I have been involved in a secret study of a new cancer treatment being undertaken by Mexican doctors with funding from the Chinese government. So, you know, it's legitimate. Obviously. Apparently, these secret studies involved DMT and even cured Cantomo's brain tumors. While he was supposed to keep it a secret, he felt he had an ethical duty to reveal this cure to the world. Of course, Big Pharma knows all about DMT curing cancer, but they are trying to patent a version of it before the world finds out that the stuff we already have and which can't be patented does the job. So they're, they can't tell us about DMT. They got a patent, you know, DMT plus or whatever. But what's confusing is that Cantomo also says that Big Pharma doesn't want to cure cancer at all, saying, quote, their goal has been and always will be to keep you alive with cancer so they can make as much profit as possible. Your well-being is of zero concern. So some mixed messages here. But Big Pharma is not the only culprit here. The military and intelligence communities keep stockpiles available to use during warfare as a, quote, non-lethal way to immobilize troops. <laughs> wow. So where where can you learn about DMT and DMT curing cancer? Cantomo recommends watching the many YouTube videos on DMT, quote, over and over. Oh, wow. God. Jeez. And he ends with this message, quote, if anyone you know is suffering from cancer, Please demand that your doctor get DMT for your needs now, not tomorrow, not next week, now. Well, I, I personally just don't trust doctors who aren't already on DMT when they're treating me. So they have to be yeah, on DMT. Yeah, exactly. You shouldn't even yeah. have to ask. Exactly. Like if they're on just um, acid or LSD, I'm like, no, 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 no. You better have take some DMT too. Well, at first, before administering the procedure, they have to calm their nerves with <laughs> <Yeah>. LSD. <laughs> 
And then when it comes to actually doing the operation, then you put the DMT into your system and then exactly. it makes, it'll, it'll make them a really competent surgeon. Yeah, that makes total sense. Curing cancer isn't the only thing that DMT does. It's got a bunch of benefits. Cantomo says his health has improved. He lost 30 pounds and his chronic joint pain in his knees and shoulder has been eliminated. Consult your physician before taking DMT. Side effects may include bloody heads rolling around you, shadow figures blowing your brains out continuously over and over. <laughs> so some warnings. But no pain. No. Yeah. No, no pain. pain. It doesn't hurt. So what are some of the other benefits? So before he experimented with DMT, he was a heavy drinker and now he hardly thinks of drinking at all. In short, quote, nothing in my life has been diminished. I have more friends, better relationships, increased optimism, and more money. You know, honestly, honest question here. If he's taking DMT 24-7, I just want to know if those friends he's talking about are actually real. Good question. You're only asking that because you're assuming that the hallucinations he's having aren't real. True. That's your problem. That's a good Plus, point. Brent, don't forget, you're an atheist, so you just wouldn't understand <laughs> this stuff. <laughs> yeah, true. I wouldn't even good try. Point. That's a good point. Now, we already know this is all true, but some of our <laughs> listeners might be skeptical of Cantelmo's claims, but he wants to assure you that this is all indeed possible for you just from taking DMT. Quote, this probably all sounds too good to be true, which makes me wonder why we believe that there has to be a downside to anything. It turns out win-wins are not only possible, but inevitable, and that the sooner we all realize this, the sooner this earth will make the Garden of Eden seem low rent. He's an extreme optimist. I like this. Yes. And DMT is also important, perhaps essential, to having an open mind. Cantalo makes this conclusion after thinking about babies. Quote, one of the original features of our infancy is that we are incapable of being judgmental, it literally never occurs to us. I don't know, man. I'm pretty sure I've seen a baby giving me a judgment, judgmental look before. Or maybe that's just the way their face looks. But either way. Really, well, yeah, uh, probably because they're chock full of DMT. You probably look like <laughs> Satan when they're looking at you. They're just terrified. <laughs> it's not being judgmental. It's just fear. Kentimo says that DMT causes one to have an open mind. And the reason people who haven't taken DMT are skeptical about it is because they haven't taken it and thus do not have open minds. Quote, the people whose minds are least open, scientists foremost among them, of course, the nuts. most skeptical. Of course. That makes sense. But this is all small potatoes. Having an open mind, curing cancer, meeting God. That's just side benefits. The real, this is the real deal here, is that DMT regrows hair. <laughs> <laughs> and for reasons you might not have expected. Cantelmo came to this realization after noticing his DMT experiments coincided with new, quote, robust growth of new hair on his head. This got him thinking, don't most geniuses do their best work when they are younger? Physicists, after all, especially do their best work before they are 30. With this realization in mind, Cantelmo began looking at photos of geniuses and was rocked by a realization, quote, Geniuses seem to share something in common, a full head of hair when genius struck. <laughs> now, at first, if you this is all just from his website and you go to his website and you find out all this great information. But it turns out Cantelmo has some other activities, particularly on Reddit. And we can really learn about this. He did a Reddit AMA or Reddit Ask Me Anything about a month ago. This is pretty recent. Nice. Titled, quote, I am Chris Cantelmo, 
I discovered DMT cures cancer and explained schizophrenia. Ask me anything. (laughs) (laughs) And people did ask him anything. And here are some of the top comments. Please don't do that. Tell people that DMT cures cancer. It does not. You are an utter moron and loser. Just saying, fuck off. (laughs) And I'm glad to see that Chris adopted the Donald Trump method of doing an AMA. He did. He did. And it keeps on going. Okay, here's another comment. How did you discover that DMT cures cancer? I had brain cancer, then started inhaling DMT, and it went away. Come hawk ergo propter hawk. Do you know what the causation fallacy is? You are a phallic fallacy. Do you know what a phallic is? (laughs) And here is the last comment. Do you have any proof? Yes. My most recent tests show no sign of cancer or tumors. Thank you for asking. Could you post the test results? No, you won't believe it anyway. I will allow an independent analysis if a third party pays for them. I'm always open to change my mind about something if convincing evidence can be provided. Get lost. Like a 56-year-old man, me, battling brain cancer has to convince you. Do you realize how disgustingly ugly a person you are? Who care, sick, what you think, you, energy leech? And this is just three. This, there, there are hundreds of comments. Cantalmo loves responding to all of them in very similar kinds of ways. <laughs> and the rest of Cantalmo's Reddit activities do not put him in a better light. He had a subreddit called R Cantalmoism, of course, which is gone now. It no longer exists because of all the flack he was getting. And there is also a subreddit called Cantalmoism Exposed, which I highly recommend going to. We'll have a link on our website to that. And that is where I got a lot of this information. They kind of collected all of these links and are really keeping track of what that nerd is doing. And so we also get some information from an interview he did with the subreddit Insider Meme Trading. And the reason he did this is because he became big on Reddit or kind of a little bit big from memes. He loves memes and he loves gilding people on Reddit. That's kind of how he gets people's attention and gets people to join his cult. It's a very Brian Colfage move. Yes, exactly. And in this interview, he, he walks back slightly this whole DMT cures cancer thing because he says, quote, DMT cures cancer or at least makes cancer beautiful. Wow. <laughs> That's that would be a good T-shirt. I mean, actually, a horrible T-shirt. And we also learn, you know, more than DMT making cancer aesthetically pleasing. Cantalmo also talks about seeing angels and other spiritual beings. Quote, I had a near death experience on DMT and saw angels descending (laughs) from the heavens in the form of winged unicorn cloud formations. What? And a cloud ladder formed by Rapunzel's hair. Uh Huge white demon ghosts nibbled the dry skin off my face and Uh the spirit of a huge dead cow floated over me to smell the saliva. My dog Jed had moments earlier licked onto my cheeks. This stuff is too insane to even dream up or make up. (laughs) Wow. I almost I almost agree. It's almost too insane to even make up. It's just (laughs) it's too much. Damn. He also, you know, besides these more pro Cantalmo subreddits, he's also been on the DMT subreddit, of course. And there he revealed that aliens are on Earth and they're training Cantalmo to be a leader or ambassador. Mm. And those he says that the, the, those who inflict damage on the environment will apparently be killed and eaten 
by these extraterrestrials. Oh, hey, are these the same aliens on Eisenhower's list? The ones you guys mentioned in the Sherry Schreiner episode? No, I don't think they are. Didn't they eat Because I found a blog post on his website where he describes them as, or he hopes that he can, quote, convince the feline insects not to make plant food out of you (laughs) non-believers. So these aliens are feline insects. (laughs) Wow, that sounds like a book of Revelation description. Yeah, it's horse I've locusts. never heard that before in my entire life. He also has a few things to say about physics, just like well, our friend course. Bob Lazar. Nice, nice. Except, you know, his are true. Oh. So like any good crank, he's got a lot. There are a lot of really good ideas about physics. He says that instead of the four fundamental forces that physics recognizes, electromagnetism, weak and strong nuclear force, and gravity, Cantelmo insists that there is only electromagnetism. And these others are simply electromagnetism over long and short distances. Quote, silly physicists always want to make things so complicated. What is it with these guys and how much they hate physicists? They just can't let them live their lives. They're just a bunch of dirty stamp collectors that are hating. And as earlier kind of briefly mentioned, Cantelmo is a big fan of staring at the sun. That's how you activate the DMT in your head. And he apparently thinks he's very good at it. Quote, I stare directly into the sun each day, and my vision is better than yours. You are such a weak worm. You could try staring into the sun yourself, but you are such a scared, pathetic dweeb, you will not even attempt this. Loser. Are we sure uh, Cantello isn't Trump? I don't know. It's very, it looks like he a tweet. very well could be. A presidential be. tweet. I think it is. I think it is. I feel like Trump did DMT, <laughs> and then this is like the DMT excretion of Trump. It's Wait, like he down, split. And this down, Wait, download process, DMT is really close to DJT, Donald Ooh. J. Trump, DMT. <laughs> download process. I'm seeing patterns, DMT. download process is going on. Donald MAGA Trump. There oh, we go. Download, is this the fourth time the download process has been caught on tape? I think so. Yeah, fourth. It's, I, I lost count. I, I yeah. Just wow. downloading too much. I can't even count them all. <laughs> okay. And so whoever Cantelmo is talking about is a scared dweeb, as he says, but Cantelmo definitely isn't scared. Just check out this tweet from a few days ago. Quote, a man who isn't afraid of anything is a rather attractive figure. I called the FBI to my home to teach them how to prepare and vape DMT. <laughs> so, uh, good for him. Well, you know, now that the deep state is going to be on DMT, they might be, you know, a little more confident. Yeah. And so... With this, I'm going to end. So sadly, as I've mentioned, the Cantelmoism subreddit is gone. And a lot of the information I found linked to that subreddit, which is gone. So you can't find those links. So I can't 100% confirm these remaining tidbits, but everything else they've said has been right. And so I'm pretty confident in it. So I'm just going to rattle these off to you. First of all, Einstein was wrong. E doesn't equal MC squared. It's MC cubed. Wait, Mm. I... Einstein wasn't a genius then, but he had a full head of hair when he was younger. And you know, he was close. He was yeah. real close. He didn't have enough hair. Okay. Not only that, I don't is. like I don't like this because he's going against his own principles. While physicists yeah. are always trying to th- make things way more complicated, isn't E equals MC cubed more complicated than E equals yes. MC squared? Mm, I'm just saying I, it could be. I don't like this could be i I think to see how the math works out on that he also says that peer-reviewed journals are just places where ideas are stolen by jealous failed researchers i mean that's right that's correct but yeah that is totally true dmt also cures aids 
Oh, oh, good. Radiation and chemotherapy are just torture. Well, I guess that's the only thing he said that's maybe at least 1% true, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's a no, little torturous. A little torturous. It is, yeah. He also says an economic crash worse than the Great Depression will soon be upon us. Oh, this isn't Donald Trump. This is Peter Schiff. Oh, there we go. Had it wrong the whole time. Although it kind of doesn't make much sense with this text because he also says that Mitt Romney called him up and asked for an endorsement. Okay, it's not Peter Schiff then. He would never want the endorsement of a neocon. Yeah. And lastly, DMT will immunize us from an impending alien attack. Oh, it's Sherry Shriner. I know. I was going to say, no thanks. I already got my uh, organ blaster, so I'm good. Yeah, you don't have to get anything from him. And so this is Chris Cantlemo. He's got a lot of good ideas. (laughs) And we'll have links to the more good ideas he has on the website. And I just, I love him. And I think he's right. And I hope he gets a lot of money. A wonderful marketplace of ideas. So now we're going to talk about the machine elves, because I know that that's what you all came here to listen to. Oh, yes. In the 1990s, the psychiatrist Rick Strassman performed his infamous research into DMT. According to Psychology Today, quote, this was the first time in 20 years that the U.S. government had allowed human studies on psychedelic drugs since such research had been effectively banned. Volunteers who were all experienced users of psychedelic drugs, found that high doses of DMT had an unusually overwhelming and instantaneous psychedelic effect that Strassman described as a nuclear cannon. As this rush progressed, most volunteers lost awareness of their bodies and of their surroundings, at least until the effects peaked after about two minutes. After a few minutes, volunteers were able to begin describing their ongoing experience, which normally lasted 30 minutes. All volunteers experienced visual imagery that could be seen with the eyes open or closed. Colors were brighter, more intense, and more deeply saturated than in normal awareness or dreams. Many participants saw kaleidoscopic geometric patterns, as well as concrete recognizable scenes. Typically, participants felt initial anxiety at the rush effect, frequently followed by intense euphoria, although mixed emotions, such as fear and excitement, were also common. Mentally, participants noted that after their their initial confusion at the rush subsided, their thought processes seemed clear and normal, and they felt able to observe what was happening. Strassman reported that about half of the 60 volunteers entered what he described as freestanding independent levels of existence of a highly unusual nature. That is a great band name, actually. It's like an emo band. The whole thing, freestanding independent levels of existence <laughs> of a highly unusual nature. Can't forget that last part. Or maybe it would be a good concept album for a DMT. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's more of an album yeah. title, actually. Yeah. And like better. each level of existence is one of the tracks. <laughs> Damn, let's do it. Quoting again from the Psychology Today article, these places were inhabited by what volunteers described as intelligent beings, entities, aliens, guides, and helpers. These appeared in a variety of forms, such as clowns, reptiles, mantises, bees, spiders, cacti, and stick figures. Stick figures? What kind of lame-ass brain hallucinations stick figures? Really? (laughs) Also, I wonder, I I have to wonder, (laughs) seriously, how much do these helpers and guides get paid for doing their job in this alternative DMT dimension? I wonder if it's like a living wage. I hope so. So They need their own like Bernie Sanders or something. I I really, I will not have this on our podcast. We will not trip shame (laughs) on our podcast. If they hallucinated stick figures, (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, to answer your question, Brent, I think if they're not getting paid a living wage, they'll just go to santa's workshop because these are the elves after all oh good point (laughs) so the free market will you know make it work out because if the the dmt verse doesn't treat the elves well they will certainly go to the north pole yeah quoting the article 
These beings have been reported by other investigators, including Terrence McKenna, of course, who described them as self-transforming machine elves, as well as in more sober case <laughs> reports from research on people with schizophrenia conducted in the 1950s. Strangely enough, reports of these kinds of beings seemed to be unique to DMT, as Strassman was unable to find anything similar in the research literature on other psychedelic drugs. Spoiler alert, that's not true. You can find these types of things in other drug reports as well, but... You know. Well, we didn't have Google back all then, right. so I kind of, that's fine. I mean, all we all right. make mistakes. As mentioned by Psychology Today, Terrence McKenna coined the term machine elves. These entities are supposedly at the center of many DMT trips. Actually, I do think machine elves would be a great, great metal band name. Oh, yeah. Or we could, or we should make a movie about machine elves and call it Fern Gully, the Apocalypse. Yeah. So something like that. Fern Gully now. <laughs> I love the smell of DMT in the morning. Smells like tripping. All right. As Vice reported on Strassman's experiments, quote, the DMT trials resulted in an unexpectedly high number of encounters with entities in seemingly freestanding independent levels of existence. Strassman wrote that he was neither intellectually nor emotionally prepared for the frequency with which contact with beings occurred in our studies, nor the often utterly bizarre nature of these experiences. Neither, it seemed, were many of the volunteers, even those who had smoked DMT previously. McKenna, when speaking on his DMT experiences, describes his encounters with these entities as follows. On the other side, as you break through, there's a cheer. There's a whole bunch of entities waiting on the other side, and you burst in the space and they're saying, how wonderful you're here. You come so rarely. We're so delighted to see you. These things are there and they're hammering at you and they come forward. They're like jeweled self-dribbling basketballs. And there are many of them oh, and they come pounding toward you and they will stop in front of you and vibrate. But then they do a very disconcerting thing, which is they jump into your body. They jump in your body and then they jump back out again. And the whole thing is going on in this very high speed mode where you're being presented with thousands of details per second. And these things are saying, don't abandon yourself to amazement, which is exactly what you want to do. You just want to go nuts with how crazy this is. They say, don't do that. Don't do that. Pay attention to what we're doing. Well, what are they doing? <laughs> well, what they're doing is they're making objects with their voices. They're singing structures into existence. And what they'll do is they'll come toward you and then, and you have to understand, they don't have arms. So we're kind of downloading this into a lower dimension to even describe it. But what they do is they offer things to you. They say, look at this. Look at this. And as your attention goes toward these objects, you realize what you're being shown is impossible. It's impossible. It's not simply intricate, beautiful, and hard to manufacture. It's impossible to make these things. These things are like toys scattered around the nursery of a UFO. The toys themselves appear to be somehow alive. The toys themselves can sing other objects into existence. So what's happening is there's just this proliferation of elf gifts. And the elf gifts are moving around singing. They're saying, do what we are doing. And they're very insistent. They say, do it, do it, do it. Guys, guys, wow. let's print this entire thing on Christmas cards and send it out to people. This would be a perfect <laughs> Christmas card. I also, so I like the one thing about this that blows my mind. Terrence McKenna is having this crazy experience. He's getting, having his mind expanded beyond, he's transcending any notion of the laws of physics or anything he's familiar with. And yet he doesn't think that somebody with arms 
can offer you something. I'm pretty sure they can still do that. I don't think that's a problem. That's what he has a problem with. Like, look, I don't know how to describe this, but I know this is a poor way to describe it, but they did offer us something. It's like, yeah, you can offer someone something without <laughs> arms. That's not hard. All right. Uh, you know, these machine elves, they go by other names too. Conspiracy maestro Alex Jones, whom our president assures us has an amazing reputation, calls them clockwork elves. And it turns out, whether they are real or imagined, they are the true source of power of the New World Order. And as Alex Jones explains, the word explains, used loosely, by the way. (laughs) And also, I'm going to just read it not in Alex Jones' voice, because actually you can see how crazy it is in a normal voice. So here we go. (laughs) This is what the government's into, folks. They're taking the DMT. They've got the black op commanders gobbling high-powered hallucinogens in. See, I don't even want to get into all this stuff. We're in trouble, ladies and gentlemen. We're in trouble. The clockwork elves, all of it. I shouldn't even get into it. But the issue here is that whether this stuff's real or not, the globalists think it is. And the elves are telling them, come on, join us, plug in. It's going to happen. People read Dick's stuff 30 years ago and they go, how did it all come true? Because he had government connections, ladies and gentlemen. Philip K. Dick was being fed this stuff and he got several of his novels stolen and got threatened. And a lot of other stuff happened, but all right, now I'm ranting. The point is that these CIA people, and if you go back, they're the ones that gave out ingredients for LSD on college campuses. They're the ones that synthesized DMT. They're the ones that did all this. The owners of Time Life Books in the 40s were obsessed with this. They believe they're communicating with entities. They call them clockwork elves. Joe Rogan talks about it. He takes it. You see the elves, little green hats. There's a reason all cultures see elves. I'm not into this. I don't take it. Let's say it's not real, okay? I don't want natural news to say Jones believes in elves. The elite, okay? And most of these men you see at Bilderberg, there's a reason why they're all whacked out of their minds. They're taking DMT. (laughs) You think they're a bunch of old men? They're in power because they were into this stuff 70 years ago. They were jacking DMT 70 years ago. They were injecting it. They were in special tanks. Their whole science is way ahead. We don't even know what they've got. (laughs) That is weirder and stranger when you read it normally. Exactly. That was the idea. Uh, well, let me ask you this, guys. Do you think maybe Bilderberg Group has a point and the clockwork elves are real? Well, Rick Strassman seems to think it's totally possible. Quoting again Psychology Today, Intriguingly, many volunteers refuse to believe that these experiences were hallucinations or dreams, as they seem too real. Strassman reported being initially quite baffled by and unprepared for the frequency of these entity experiences among his volunteers. In his book, he even entertains the idea that these entities are genuine inhabitants of some sort of normally invisible alternate reality, perhaps of a parallel universe. Ooh, That's the right answer. Yeah, and, and, and hence why DMT is known to some DMT cultists as the spirit molecule. Strassman says, quote, The Hebrew Bible's model of prophecy is appealing because it comports well with the reports of the DMT volunteers. One sense of self is maintained. There is an external freestanding independent of the observer spiritual world that all of a sudden appears. One relates to the content of the experience rather than being dissolved into it. There are concepts and images which are the stuff of prophetic state rather than the deterus of the mystical one. One is with God rather than being one with God. Oh, yes. Get it? Because even McKenna will talk about how Oh, you, you have your rational faculties still. You see crazy things, but you have your rational faculties, which 
I question whether one has their rational faculties intact when they're on the DMT state, but <laughs> I'm going to pretend I do so I can be cool at parties. Oh, okay. That's how all this stuff gets propagated is you pretend it to believe it to be cool at a party. That's sure. where all this is going. All right. So not all people that have looked into this stuff are very impressed, though. And by that, I mean, maybe just one guy. And that is psychedelic <laughs> researcher James Kent. He has a somewhat different take. Quote, I want to question this notion about DMT as a gateway to the spirit world, because when I think of the spirit world, I think of angels, ghosts, God, the old Hindu spirits, gurus traveling through the bardos. None of that is in the smoked DMT experience. It's like going into a crazy rubber room or pocket Looney Tune universe somewhere. And to me, it didn't seem all that spiritual. It seemed weird. It seemed like a very strange video game. Like I was in some sort of plastic world where things could morph and cohese and disappear at any time. And it wasn't like I was sitting in the Taj Mahal meditating on the importance of my own life. It was like I was being pelted with cartoon characters. And that was not spiritual. It was just weird. <laughs> so I either needed to reassess my view of what spiritual is and accept this sort of crazy rubber room pocket universe as the spirit world. And this is where you go when you die. And this is what happens when you die. These crazy cartoon characters jump out at you and say, hooray. <laughs> or I had to go back and say... Well, maybe this is something else. Maybe this isn't the spirit world. Maybe this is some sort of crazy part of our own psyche that's being brought to the fore by the DMT experience. Uh, nah, it's obviously the former. I I um I started attending the Church of Bugs Bunny a few years back, and this is all pretty <laughs> sound cartoon theology, so I think that's right. Yeah, it's actually, it's a little known fact that Who Framed Roger Rabbit is actually a theological allegory. I know it's, uh, not many people know that. But it is definitely true. Take DMT and watch that movie and you will understand everything about it. Oh, and you know what I was in Who Framed Rob Roger Rabbit? There's that stuff, the dip that kills the cartoon characters, right? Exactly. Yeah. Do you know what's in the dip? Fluoride. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. It, we now know what it's made of. Oh, Salt. That's so is it true, as Alex Jones and a plethora of DMT cultists message boards will tell you, that all cultures and people always see the clockwork elves? How could it be? Kent maintains that the whole idea that the machine elves are an eerily consistent archetype of the DMT experience in need of some kind of comprehensive explanation is kind of overblown. Even though Kent claims he's had experiences similar to McKenna's, it's not so straightforward. Quote, The archetypal DMT entities are pretty well categorized, with most people seeing elves or aliens or fairies or angels or some kind of loopy little spirits that dance about and tell riddles. Sometimes it is a spirit animal like a jaguar or a snake. Sometimes it is none of the above and goes totally off the map. But getting back to the elf thing, which is what many people find to be the most crucial aspect, I initially found it very surprising to be confronted by elves in my DMT experiences and on psilocybe mushrooms as well, and did indeed perceive them as externalized, morphing, discarnate beings. I even managed to carry on rudimentary conversation of sorts. However, the more I experimented with DMT, the more I found that the elves were merely machinations of my own mind. While under the influence, I found I could think them into existence and then think them out of existence simply by willing it. Sometimes I could not produce elves and my mind would wander through all sorts of magnificent and amazing creations. But the times I did see elves, I tried very hard to press them into giving up some non-transient feature that would confirm at least rudimentary autonomous existence beyond my own imagination. Of course, I could not. Whenever I tried to pull any information out of these entities regarding themselves, the data that was given up was always relevant only to me. The elves could not give me any piece of data I did not already know, nor could their existence be sustained under, under any kind of prolonged scrutiny. Like a dream, once you realize you're dreaming, you're actually slipping into wakefulness and the dream fades. 
So it is with the elves as well. When you try to shine a light of reason on them, they dissolve like shadows. Yeah, so let that be a lesson to our listeners. If you're going to take DMT, leave your reason prison at home. Elves' lives matter, please. I agree. Ken says, in conclusion, I'd like to just mention a couple more things. Visions produced by DMT are not solely elves and alien entities. A wide variety of archetypes and just plain old whacked out stonership creeps into the mix. <laughs> it's a highly individual and in many cases is heavily dependent on set and setting. This fact alone, more than anything else, leads me to believe that the DMT entities are mere figments. If, for example, everyone always saw talking penguins and only talking penguins while high on DMT, that would be much harder to explain and much more mysterious. The fact that DMT consciousness reveals itself in so many forms tells me that the messenger, be it elf, alien, jaguar, or whatever, is basically arbitrary within the context of the patterns and archetypes of our minds that tend to pick out random noise. And on that note of the verbal equivalent of socialist architecture from James Kent, that concludes <laughs> our series on psychedelic cults. So, Forrest, Brent, what did you learn in today's episode and the rest of the series? What most intrigued you. Well, it's kind of funny because those James Kent quotes that I um, included at the end, I had read them months before when I was interested in looking into DMT. And there is that myth that, oh, everybody that takes DMT, they see the machine elves. Everybody sees the same machine elves. How could it be? And then it turns out that that's, it's just not true. It's easy to yeah. debunk. I mean, even the trips that Brent recorded in the or reported on in this podcast, notice there's nothing about machine elves in there, right? Yeah, yeah just Satan. So there's a lot of that. And you see this a lot in the psychedelic community, even um, when it comes to alien abduction stories, like, oh, these alien abduction stories are all the same. But then when you look at the details, no, there's a lot of huge differences between them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess even though I didn't learn that in the research for this episode in particular, I learned it in general DMT research that take that with a grain of salt when people say things like, well, how is it that everybody has the exact same experience? Usually it's not true. Because, yeah, I took DMT once and I didn't I didn't see any machine elves. But remember, remember, you just didn't do enough. Yeah, those about. hippies yeah. stole it. Yeah, And you have to do it constantly, like every day to be like a little baby. Oh, that's the problem. That's what you got to remember. Um, for me, I don't know. I to be honest with you and you guys know, um, me and Forrest sort of have a slightly similar upbringing where we kind of brought up um, religious me way more than Forrest probably, but um, kind of flipped to the, you know, like, oh, I'm going to rebel and get out of this. And I started, you know, getting into ancient aliens, sad to say a little bit into mm -hmm. Terrence McKenna type stuff and like Graham Hancock. So I definitely, you know, clearly was into it for, for a while there. So it's, it's kind of funny looking back like, wow, that was ridiculous. But it is, um, it's fun to revisit and learn and change your mind after a while. But I don't know, to me, the whole series, this is my favorite because of the extensive amount of horror that goes along with DMT. Yeah. The Rainbow Family was a little fun in between episode of these other two bookend horrors of uh, <laughs> LSD and then, of course, DMT. But I like how the episode that isn't about drilling a hole in your head is the most horrifying episode. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> Well, you know, what's interesting, too, is that and James Kent does talk about this on the Dose Nation podcast, is that when psychedelics were first being researched, there was a consensus among even people taking it that this was all in your mind, that you were, these were hallucinations. But in the modern DMT cult, it seems at least so I don't have the stats on this, but it seems just from my own research and looking at the message boards and the people in the community that it's most of them seem to think that these are real entities and that yeah. these things are actually going on. So that's like a weird aspect of the modern psychedelic movement is this idea that these things are literally happening. Yeah, it makes it more important because I think that's a part of right. all this is 
this desire to make taking hallucinogens more serious. I mean, there's that whole entheogen thing. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more important if you are taking something that's revealing some part of reality that you weren't able to perceive before versus merely just having hallucinations. It makes it way more important. It's funny because to me, it's isn't it amazing enough that this could be created in your head? Yeah. <laughs> in it's, a way, like, it's, like, it's like VR. It doesn't seem like it takes anything away. Yeah. For example, I've, I have experimented with lucid dreams and out-of-body experiences and all that, but the thing is, I, when I'm doing it, I know that these, these are dream states, that these, are, these things aren't literally happening. It's a really good experiment uh, done. I forget who did it, but they would have people do astral projection, which is basically you fall asleep and you're in a sort of lucid dream state and you have a feeling of detachment from your body and you do hallucinate inside of a dream representation of the room and all that. These are what out-of-body experiences are. And in the experiment, they would have in the other room an object and they would ask the participants, go into the other room after you astral project or have your out-of-body experience, tell us what that object is. And of course, never do they get it right. Yeah. And um, so that's to me, though, it's actually almost in a weird way, more amazing that you can have that kind of kinesthetic experience, uh, you know, all in your own head in a way. I, like, I don't understand. Like it does to me, it doesn't take away the the amazingness of, of it. Yeah. If anything, it makes it more amazing because it's more impressive. Yeah. But then you're not really talking to machine elves and that's why we're doing. All <laughs> oh, <this>. OK. <laughs> and who's okay. going to write down what I they're saying? God. Yeah, exactly. And take their impossible gifts. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think for me, the thing that fascinated me most, I have to say, is Chris Cantlemo. That oh, really yeah. came oh, out yeah. of left field. I knew about him, you know, doing this research. I knew he had some silly beliefs, but then I found all the Reddit stuff. And the fact that he was starting a Reddit based cult based on using memes and gilding teenagers to convince them to join his DMT cult. Like what a weird combination of factors. And it just, I just, I, I mean, I remember the other day I was just sending more and more screenshots to friend uh, to Forrest and Brent. Oh, <laughs> it's I, hilarious. Just finding yeah. more and more and more. My alter ego, Dave Rube had some fun with, uh, with him as well. Yes. Dave Rube at, uh, at Dave underscore Rube to uh, check out on him. And he had a lot to say. Yes, on Twitter. A lot of ideas. And again, that is it for this series on psychedelic cults. And you can find us on social media at NDCIO on Twitter and at None Dare Call It Ordinary on Instagram. You can also send us an email, None Dare Call It Ordinary at gmail.com. And we are always collecting submissions for a none dare call it wrong episode. If you think we said something false or took a speculation too far, reach out to us on either social media or email and let us know all about it. Complain all you want. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. Tell us how the machine elves are real, please. Yes. Give <laughs> us evidence that the machine elves are real and we will report about it to the masses. Also, once again, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary for only $1 a month. You'll get a shout out on the show and you will be supporting the podcast and making sure we have more patrons than dead con artist Sherry Schreiner. We have to do it. Oh God, we yeah. have to do it. We are so close. And with that, we are. Dead. Dead.